guys, happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on the action. Coming up on today's show, Sugar Sean has a strategy. I'll tell you who the Paul brothers need to fight. And is it true that Leon Edwards won't fight George Masvidal? That's all coming up later. But let's begin by diving deeper into something I told you all about on Wednesday. Machine Gun Kelly, Conor McGregor, whatever happened there or didn't happen or spoof, whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing, it proved to be very helpful for both of them because people are still talking about it. The media is still out there, but I saw Brendan Shaw breaking it down. And Brendan Shaw was breaking it down from the standpoint that there's a lot of people that were at that event. This MT, it's a nerd event, right? I mean, I can't defend Conor being there. This is an elitist group for a special level of prick that would ever show up at something like this. But within the people that were there, apparently about 60-40 was the split on people that thought Machine Gun Kelly could beat up Conor McGregor had they got into it. So far that Brendan even had to break this down. And Brendan had it spot on, which is say, you're out of your mind. Machine Gun Kelly might be a tough guy in your little group. He's not to be compared to a professional fighter. Now, you might think that those words don't need spoken, but they do. And that will never go away. There's always a guy in every group where that group is convinced that's the guy, but they don't have experiences with the guy of other groups. They just don't have those experiences. I mean, I can tie this back to all of the myths that we've ever heard of in MMA. Number one myth you've heard of in fighting is Bruce Lee, for sure. But along that same vein, whether it was Bruce or it was Steven Seagal or it got kicked over Gene uh, LaBelle and some of these other guys that just weren't legit, they all could tie themselves to one location, which was Los Angeles, California. They would go and beat people up in their garages and in their backyards. Those people that they would beat up that had no other frame of reference of who a tough guy was decided it was that guy. They then got inundated in the media world, became writers and scriptwriters and actors themselves someday, had a medium to perpetuate what happened in those backyards and in those garages with no frame of reference of what a real tough guy would do. And that's how it lives. I don't begrudge that. I'm all for it. I've just identified it. It's a real thing that you have to deal with to the point that Brendan Shop thought he had to come out and make a piece trying to explain to Team Machine Gun Kelly, have your thoughts, but don't ever actually test it. It's not going to go well for you, even if Connor's on one leg, which is true. Even on one leg, Connor McGregor does whatever he does with this machine gun kid in record time, right? Okay. I had a run-in like that one time. I never knew, and you live so close to the trees, you can't see the forest at times. And I live so close to this, knowing who was who, studying it, being in the room, practicing every day, living in that, that circle. I was at a high school, and I was doing something called sports science. And they had brought in an NFL player. He was a running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. And all he's going to do is have a football, and then there was Houston Alexander and Krishkoff, uh, Szczynski, King Mo, and I. And we're going to try to take the ball from him. That's it. 
He's going to have the ball. He's going to run by, and we're going to try to take the ball. And they were breaking down some kind of a, a, a sports science. How that went is subsequent to my point as I'm walking from the classroom, which they served as our like holding area, to the field to go and actually film this. I come through the school. And through the school, I end up in these conversations with the school kids between classes, and they begin telling us, King Mo, myself, Christoph, who's in Houston, Alexander, how incredible Kimbo Slice is. Now, the four of us as real fighters knew that Kimbo was very rare, very raw, rather, very green in fighting, but that he was marketable and he had this great look and he had muscles and nobody was looking to put Kimbo down. The sport was better off having him in it. He was drawing enough attention to then get over to the guys with, with real skills. Hey, we'll cover you, Kimbo. You'll cover us, right? You're going to bring in the house to cover us. We're going to show these guys real skills. Everybody goes home happy. But these high school kids didn't know that. And all they knew is that Kimbo had knocked another guy out in a main event over the weekend in less than a minute. And those kids are right. I knew that. I knew that lesson at one point in my life. I forgot it. I forgot that perception is reality and the way that something is portrayed. I forgot the skills of controlling the lights, the camera, and the action, the placement on the car, the build-up, the B-roll, and then the big knockout with the announcers at the end. I forgot. These kids had reminded me. But now I fast-forward all of this time, and I'm watching Brennan Schaub have to give almost a warning to, to this dirthead community that apparently Machine Gun Kelly backs up to, hey, don't ever actually cross this line. You stayed out of reach of Conor McGregor. You stayed out of camera view. Continue to stay there. This celebrity boxing thing isn't real, at least not for you, Kelly. And if you do go and do it, do it with an Aaron Carter or do it with a Vanilla Ice. Don't come over and do it with a real guy, even if our guy happens to be on one leg. He will be too much for you. That seems obvious, right? It seems obvious. But it's not, apparently, at least not to them. Well, I've covered my Conor McGregor quota for the day. So I might as well take a moment to talk about John Jones as well. Anthony Smith. Getting ready for his big main event this weekend, going to take on Ryan Spann, and he was talking about John Jones, and Anthony made a very simple comment. It was very light, and the comment was just that the division has moved on from John Jones, and John Jones decided to remove himself from the division just as everybody was catching up with him. All right, stop. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at what Anthony's saying, and if anybody has earned the right to an opinion as it pertains to John Jones, or it pertains to 205 pounds, it's Lionheart. Let's take a look at what he said. He makes a very fair point that guys were definitely catching and the matches were getting very much closer and closer when John said goodbye. Tiago Santos was one of those last fights, but that went to a split decision. Dominic Reyes was one of those last fights. was the very last one, but it went to a split decision. So these were getting tighter, these were getting closer, and then you have to ask yourself, okay, where is Santos now, and where is Reyes now? And if those were the guys that were really pushing John, are they still the top guys, or is there yet even another crew to come? And I think that's maybe what Anthony was speaking about. And every fighter will go through that. I think we're going to be left to speculate, is that what John's going through? John has not been overly open with us. We just know he doesn't want to fight. You can put any reason you want. 
You'll start to hedge your bets. You'll start to look around. There's only so many options. Hanging your hat on money. It's not enough money. Okay, fine. That one seems to be okay. And there's only a few ways you can get out of a fight without having to suffer embarrassment. That one seems to be okay. Great. And that's what John has told us. He's hung his hat on money, but he doesn't want to fight. If he does want to fight again, it's not going to be at this weight class. It's going to be at a different weight class. And by the way, don't even ask me to fight at the second weight class until X amount of time goes by and I put on muscle. Okay. But the message is still the same. I don't want to fight. Whether it's money, whether it's size, whether it's X amount of time, the answer is I don't want to fight. All we're trying to figure out is why. Is it because he feels the competition has passed him by? And every athlete is going to go through that. Every athlete at one point, right? Just like an alcoholic, this is my last drink. Just like a gambler, one my last hand. An athlete will do the same thing. My whole life will be okay. Everything's going to work out. I just need this one more. Is that what John's going through? Now, to some extent, it would sure make sense. It would make sense to guess that. We would only know if John comes out and tells us. The other side of it, is it fair? Because we have seen people in this sport that have been victims of their own success. They get to be so damn good that it's all or nothing. Ronda Rousey is a fine example, but Ronda had so much left, right? Ronda had, on her worst day, what most athletes are striving for on their best, to be a top 10 fighter. To be a, have a meaningful place on the car, be that main event, that co-main event status. Have a bunch of people want to stop what they're doing, come and watch you, wear your t-shirts out. Rhonda had that. She was top 10. She became a victim of her own success in that she was such a draw. Her contract called for so much money. If you were going to use her, you had to put her in a main event. And if you're going to be in main events, you have to be fighting for world championships. So why Rhonda couldn't get over on the Amanda Nunes or the Holly Holmes of the world, she could get over on the next seven. She could have gone out there if that's what she wanted to do, competed, been one of the gals, have a goal, have purpose in life, have a drive, and have gotten great results. But she was never put in a spot where do you want to fight number seven? Do you want to fight number eight? Hey, third fight of the night on the pay-per-view and we're going to put... She was not in those spots. She was a victim of her own success in some ways. And I just submit for you, is that what we're doing to John? Very hard to weigh in on what we should do with John without hearing from John. And the only thing we hear from John is, I don't want to fight. Okay, if that's it, it's a hard stop and we'll exit stage left. But is that really what it is? Would you fight under certain circumstances? Like if John has to come back and he has to fight the world champion, which he's changing weight classes, that happens to be Francis, who is huge. And John has already said, I have some trepidations about going up in size. Now you want me to go up in size, which I've agreed to do, but you want to take me the absolute biggest man. Oh, and by the way, you want it for five rounds. Like, I think that you could see where if you were in John's spot, you might look at it and go, why do I have to be a victim of my own success? Why do I have to fight for the championship? Why can I not come out and do a middle ground? Give me a co-main event. Okay, let me try three rounds before I do five. Give me a guy who's bigger than I'm used to, but not as big as Francis. I'll insert a Stipe for you. Start to see where that's going to go. And I know there was some talk at one point about Stipe and John. But I never heard it from John's side. right? I heard it from Stipe's old lady, but then Dana made something known at a press conference. Stipe was in training for us, but we never really heard from John's side. And all I'm attempting to do is guess. I don't want to be unfair to John and say, you have to go fight Francis. Ha ha. 
No, you don't have to go fight the biggest guy for 25 minutes your first time up. And it can't also be, or you stay at home in Albuquerque and you don't get to do anything, or, or you're making him a victim of his own success. There has to be a middle ground at least offered. At least a discussion of that size, the time duration. He's been out a period of time. Is it the absolute best in the world? Is it one of the guys who's one of the best in the world? Right? There has to at least be a conversation, or we are being a little bit unfair to Jones. So no matter what I just said about him, John Jones is one of the best champions to ever do it. But there's a couple more great champions out there who deserve some love. And I want to bring those names to you guys. There's different sects within MMA, right? And you start with what's really clear. Okay, the males go over here and the females go over here. And then you can get a little bit clear where you can put them into divisions. And we're going to go 175 pounds and 155 pounds. You get these groups. But once you have that bracket... If you will, once you have the participants, they can then form their own sex. And it's it's no different than, than the power trends when you guys were in high school. Where the jocks over here and the nerds over here and the party crowds over here. It's no different and you can't let them do it. 155 pounds right now. Okay? 155 pounds, possibly more clear than any other division. You take the top 10 guys, you get 10 great fighters. But of those 10, the first five are stars. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Islam Makhlchev is as good as anybody walking this planet that weighs 155 pounds. He is not yet a star. He will be one. He's got to get attached to a star. And the only one at 155 that's done any favors for anybody else in a period of time is Tony Ferguson, who did two. He did the favor for Oliveira, and then he did it for Benny Darush. I don't see anybody thanking Tony Ferguson, but Tony's one of those stars that allowed somebody else to get up there. Now, I'm only telling you this because you have to break these groups up. you got to find them, you got to identify them, and you got to infiltrate them fast. I'm seeing this happen at 135 pounds right now. Jose Aldo, who would fall into the group of veterans. Jose Aldo is amongst my favorite fighters, which are words that Jose never would have thought he'd hear me saying. All because of his attitude right now. He is nothing short of an inspiration, what he is doing. But Jose still falls into this veterans category. We got Frankie Edgar down there. You got Dominic Cruz down there. You got TJ Dillashaw down there. Like, you have these stars. You have these veteran stars. But if they only play with each other, you're going to have a really hard time if you're in the rest of that field. You've got to break them up. And then what do you do if you're one of the young, new up-and-comers? What do you do if you're a Sean O'Malley type? And what if Sean goes and forms his own sec of new breed guys, but they refuse to fight each other, right? I mean, they're going to be the NWO. They're, they're going to be this fastest group within an organization that you can't penetrate if you don't get there and penetrate. Jose Aldo came out today, he did an interview, said, I don't want to fight Dominic Cruz. That devastated me. That that is a dream fight for me. My age group, nostalgic reasons, champion versus champion. We were all in the WEC together, so maybe I'm even bringing over a little bit of a... But that's a dream fight. Jose Aldo said no. Now, he didn't say no like most guys looking to duck Dominic because you don't want to have to deal with the mess that is Dominic Cruz for 15 to 25 minutes. He said, I want to fight Dillashaw. So now I can't even be mad at Jose. I can't be mad at him. He's not trying to get out of a fight if he's trying to get into another fight. I mean, th those guys are interchangeable killers. I'm not trying to duck some kind of a heavy lifting, but I'm not going to get my way. Well, then what does Dominic do? 
And I'm not hearing Dominic speak up a whole bunch. Dominic seems to be pretty easy to please right now. I would like to hear more from Dom. I tried to get something going between Don and Dom and, and Sean O'Malley. I thought I was going to be a big hero. Everybody's going to be, thank, great job, Chael. You did a great... No, they were upset. They didn't, didn't work out. So I realized, okay, I got a butt out of Dom's business, but I'm a Dominic fan, and I'm also his friend. I, I do have a say in this somewhere. I get to share my opinion on what a guy that I work with that I'm buddies with is going to do. Of course I do, but I don't know where to go with Dom. He's given no direction. This includes private conversations. I cannot get anything from him. I know he's still working hard. I know his knees are feeling better. I know he thinks his best days are in front of him. I know he's within striking distance of making weight on any given night. All point in the direction that, no, he is not retiring. Is retirement soon? Maybe. He's not retiring. He's got another match. He's given us absolutely no evidence of where he wants to go. Now, Jose has got in front of this thing and said, don't bring up Dominic. But that's not going to be bad news to Dominic because Dominic was never saying, give me Jose in the first place. Dominic hasn't said anything. I like my idea about Dominic and O'Malley. I fell on my face. Didn't work. So where does Dom go? And I don't hate Jose's idea, by the way. Jose versus Dillashaw, I don't hate that. But I am sharing with you, once you have the Dominics and you have the Frankie Edgars and you have the Dillashaws, you get these guys that are veterans, that are stars. If they start to pull themselves to one side of the playground and they only play with one another, the rest of you guys in the top 10 are going to have one hell of a hard time. You've got to identify these different sects even within your weight classes and you've got to break them up now. So coming up next, I'll stay on the bantamweight division and tell you why I love what Sugar Sean is doing. But before that, I want to shout out some of our show's sponsors. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly. When they bet $1 on any football game, listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars of total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code CHAIL this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required per one customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Summer's coming to an end. The leaves are about to fall. 
while Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by getting free life insurance quotes at Policy Genius. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why should you compare? Because you can save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirements for one simple phone call. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor. To get started is easy. First head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free without any added fees. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Fellas, the sport of business means demanding excellence from your craft and wardrobe. Your fits need to be versatile, blending timeless style and comfort so you look as good as you feel. For that, there's Cuts Clothing. They've taken classic men's fashion staple, the plain tee, and refined it, combining premium quality with a minimalist aesthetic. Cuts shirts, polos, hoodies, and crew sweatshirts are made for the man who works hard, plays hard, and never settles for less, all in the sport of business. What I love most about Cuts is they offer a variety of color styles and hem cuts, which makes it fun to shop while adding some variety to my wardrobe. Each piece of clothing is designed with a custom engineered fabric expertly graded for perfect fit, arming you for every challenge and opportunity. They are being called the Tesla of t-shirts. This is not just a lifestyle. It's not just clothing. It's office leisure apparel for the sport of business. Get 15% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash that's cutsclothing.com slash chael for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. Sugar Sean was talking about how many fights he has left with the UFC. I want to say he said a couple. Loves fighting here. This is where he wants to be. Not completely against the idea of free agency. He would like to see what that number is. And then he made a comment, I, I, I do love to box. So we're, we're sitting there and we're kind of piecing all of the things together. And I always feel as though Sugar Sean is a little baby step ahead. Maybe not two or three, maybe not playing a full game of chess out there, but I do feel as though he's a little bit ahead, and I think that that's what he's doing here. Now, I'm guessing, but we've never seen a public negotiation go well. And on a different week, it's the same topic, different guy, and now it appears to be Sean, but Sean is way too smart to be doing that, which is why I think he's up to something different. Look, Sean has something beautiful 
its placement on a card. It's very relevant that we know that because with getting a placement of a card, main card, co-main event, main event status, and he could go either one of those. They could plug him in anywhere. He's going to be on the bigger and featured part, which is what a lot of 135-pounders do not have and why they would want and seek Sean out. Now, I know that I'm stating the obvious, but it is important that we understand this because very few guys bring anything to the table. A guy that's going to bring a main event or better to the table is the champion. He's got the title. There's just places that these are going to be contested. So the one thing that Sean has, which is placement on a card, the risky business here is that can be taken away. It isn't a guarantee like, say, a champion who's coming in to defend something along these lines. Now, I do not imagine that anybody would think that Sean O'Malley should slide un down to an undercard. But there are reasons where he could, in this world of placement, do exactly that. So I think that Sean is having a little bit of fun. I think that Sean is getting stuff going, but he does create a conversation. It's the one that I want to have with you right now, which is when is the time and the place to be negotiating when you're already under contract? And there's a number of ways that guys go about this and you just don't see it, right? Everybody wants to come out publicly. You'll remember when we even had to live through the, the money fight era. Who do you want to fight and instead of calling for a champion? They would have the money fight. I want to wherever the most money is. And Sean talking about maybe going into boxing and starting to spill over. Look, I'll just share with you what Kamara Usman is up to right now. Because as I stand back and I look at it, I feel as though Kamara is doing this better than anyone. Which Kamara, just like everyone, also negotiates publicly. He also wants more participation. Hey, how much do you want more? Okay. But Kamara doesn't hold anything up. It's very relevant that you understand this because everybody that works a gimmick ends up marking out for their own gimmick. As human beings, we are whoever we pretend to be. So when you go out and you start doing interviews each day, you forget over a very short period of time, wait a minute, that was part of what was gaining me headlines. That was part of what was getting me clicks. That was part of what was creating a dialogue and a narrative, which is a domino effect in one interview, thus getting me more interviews. Same thing with a social media tweet. It's a theme, it's an angle, but we will forget over a short period of time, wait a minute, that was for attention. That was the act. Over a short period of time, we forget where the person begins and the material ends, or vice versa. I don't believe that Sean would be falling into that, uh, that realm. I just don't. I look at Sean, wildly popular, beautiful record, main card guy. I see him get placements on shows. I was at it. It was Adesanya, the night that Nate Diaz fought. They were in Arizona. They panned to Sean. The crowd goes crazy. And by the way, he's in the front row right there. Something very special there that I don't believe anybody would be foolish enough to get back. Particularly in this respect, which is, if you have a title, you're coming into a title fight. I'm stating the obvious, correct? But if what you have is beautiful card placement and there's nothing securing that spot, I don't think that Sean would be foolish enough to, in the midst of trying to get his next match, start doing this publicly. I just don't think that's what he's doing. I think Sean's great at getting everybody's attention. I also think that Sean has shown us, and maybe reminiscent in his very last fight, where he took on that gentleman who'd never even been in the organization before. Most guys would not have the courage that Sean had. 
to put a risk like that up against such an unknown. Now, I only suggest that for you because when we have this evidence that Sean is willing to take on anybody, including un or lesser known guys, including on late, short, next to no notice, it tells me that he's willing to play along. I like what Kamar Usman is doing. Do you guys understand that example that I just gave? Kamar Usman, like everybody, is speaking up and wants more participation. But while he's doing that and his phone is ringing and they're asking him to do something, he doesn't hold him up. Kamar continues to say where he would like to participate, but he doesn't hold him up. He says yes to what their idea is as well. So it's a very unique spot because when guys start to mark out for their own gimmick, then all of a sudden they take their ball and go home. They pull that big emergency break. They stop everything from happening. Those things are not going to be forgotten ever. And there's no other course of the industry that works that way. Imagine you got a guy in your marketing department and he wants to go talk about his agreement and his contract. Well, you don't have time to sit down and talk with them, so you're eventually going to do that, but that's going to be three weeks from now, and we'll go grab a cup of coffee together, and we'll hear what you have to say. Now, let's say the guy in the marketing department is right, and you agree with him, and you acquiesced, and he gets some kind of a bump somewhere. Imagine if in the interim, he stayed home. He st skipped a couple of events. You can't just forgive that. You can't just forget that that happened. The guy has to be showing up every day, pushing forward while still having a subsequent conversation, which may or may not go his way. And I just submit for you, that's what Usman's doing. I'm just bringing it to you guys' attention. Usman doesn't slow anything down. You can't have hard feelings towards him. He didn't give you anything to have hard feelings about. He created a conversation while continuing to move things forward. Hard to be upset. I'll leave you with one final thought as it has to do with Sugar Sean. Because again, this is a new athlete. Today it's Sean. But next week it's going to be somebody else with the exact same argument. The week after that. So on and so forth. Be very careful when you're picking your promoter. And one thing that Sean had said, he talked about the boxing. But he also said, you know, checking and finding what is worth out and going out, out on the open market. Be very careful when you sit down with your promoter and you decide who you're going to go with. If you are a pure whore and you are going to the highest bidder, you're looking at your career wrong. And if you sit down and the one thing that you have to tell the promoter who is seeking you and all that promoter can say to you in response is, well, I'm going to give you more money than this guy. If that is his only plan, it's not one. And that's a great opportunity for you to sit down, for you to see what avenues, what exposures, what directions he intends to go with you. If he tells you, I'm going to pay you more money than the next guy, it's not a plan. And it's something that you always want to look at so that you can be strategic. And one thing that Sean has always left out, which is why it's the number one thing that tells me that Sean has a plan here. The number one thing that Sean O'Malley leaves out is who the next opponent's going to be. Most people in Sean's spot that have a pulpit and have a platform are going to point their cannon and point their whole fan base in one direction. Sean always leaves that out. Sean always keeps you guessing. Sean talks about Sean. He talks about the beautiful things, but he never locks himself into a corner, which makes me think that Sean is just a little baby step ahead of everybody else here. So before we all get frustrated and throw our hands up in the air, and we do that with guys, right? 
It's Sean this week. It's going to be somebody else next week. It was somebody else a week ago, if we want to go back and search it out, having the same conversation about how much they're worth, and they're going to take their ball and go home until they get it. I don't believe that's what O'Malley's doing. I think he is picking his time. I think he's a whale of the beautiful placement. I think he starts to see that I got a few guys coming after me instead of me going after them. I'm going to frustrate them. I'm going to antagonize them. It's very different strategy Sean has, particularly because he is not yet drawn an opponent. How do we know what a fight's worth? Only been two fighters in the history of the time could sell on their own. Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya, and I think in all fairness, you'd probably have to open that door up to Conor McGregor and even to Floyd Mayweather by now. Everybody knows you have to have the full fight. Sean's leaving that out. I think because Sean playing a different game. Now, Sugar Sean isn't the only star that's afraid to speak his mind. In fact, many of the UFC's biggest names right now are talking trash and saying all kinds of things, and honestly, I don't quite know what to believe. Oh, the guys are getting so catty right now. I love it when they're catty. Like, you you can't be too childish, you can't be too playground standard for me. I like that. I mean, I look at what's going on at 155 pounds right now. These guys are little bitches. I mean, Gage, they're all coming after Oliveira, by the way. Like, Gagey came out and said Oliveira's not very tough. Poirier's going to beat him up. Well, Poirier could whip your ass and you could still be tough. Like, one doesn't prove the other. And I've always been surprised at how few 55-pounders are giving Oliveira his due. I mean, in all fairness, and he what, he's lost like eight matches he was kind of up in the wild there at one point in his career. He wasn't overly consistent. A lot of that, I believe, as a viewer, could be tied back to his weight management. He had a hard time making 155 pounds. Once he started to really get that piece of his life, get that discipline, not have the focus on the weight cut, be able to focus on the matches, it's just a very clear trajectory to greatness, to absolute greatness. But the 55-pounders are pushing back. I don't know if there's any champion who is questioned more by his peers than Oliveira. Fine. That's a great spot, right? If Oliveira's got all these people, they're all being catty, they're all talking about it, all coming after him, that's a really great spot. Now you have helpful contenders. But we're still seeing it at 155 pounds, and they are getting very petty. Gaethje's going in this direction, and Chandler's going in this direction, and Poirier kind of stays out of it, but he's the top guy, and Connor's going to burn the whole house down, and then you go look at 170 pounds. How much of this is accurate versus what I read? Okay, because I go to the dirt sheets. But Masvidal, Edwards, way the story goes, Edwards is refusing the Masvidal fight. Now, that's the part where I'm telling you I don't know that I'm accurate here because I don't think that he's been offered it. I do not believe that Leon Edwards has said no to a contract offer to fight George Mosbrough, but the way that the story was being told as Gilbert Burns weighed in on it and said, hey, you're ducking him. You said you'd fight anybody who was talking about Leon. You called me out, Leon, when I already had a contract. You called Mosvidal out, but now that he's being offered to, you don't want it. I don't know how much of that is, is factual. I would have a hard time believing that Leon Edwards is turning down any fights right now. Like if his phone rings, it could, it could be Luke, it could be a world title fight, it could be something in between. It'd be, hey, come make weight for, for Covington and Usman. I just feel as though Edwards is going to say yes to whatever opportunity comes his way because he was so desperate for a fight for a while there, right? Nobody had worse luck, at least that was brought to our attentions within our community due to COVID, 
than Leon. So he gets that big match, whatever happens with him and Blahal, but then he draws right into Nate Diaz. And I just don't know that I buy the idea that Leon is telling anybody no. I don't think that Leon's been offered that. But either way, you now have Gilbert Burns weighing in on a fight between two other guys that has nothing to do with him. He was just so irritated that he heard that it was uh, turned down that he spoke right up. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. I wish everybody was like Gilbert Burns. I'm never going to get my way. I'm never going to get back in the way it used to be, where everybody was hungry, everybody wanted an opportunity. We were not here to get along. We are here to fight under the unified rules, stand back and say when. I'm never going to get back there, but I will get one-offs like Gilbert. I will get a ray of shining light in this wussified sport in the forms of Gilbert. If I could just get two or three more like that, I think maybe Chemayev was going down that road. I think Chemayev might make Gilbert Bourne's uh, uh, 2.0. If we can get a few more guys like that, we only need one at heavyweight. You step forward with any level of competitiveness and any level of courage and integrity in the way that you do business and back your responsibilities in the heavyweight class, you will go to the top. You will get what's known as the push because they got nobody else they can count on up there. There's, there's major opportunities. If you come into this sport, you look around, you see what roles people are not fulfilling, what they're not doing to be positive and to be helpful. You go emulate yourself around Gilbert Burns. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, offering no apology. I'll live with the result. Say when. They can't get enough guys like that. You want to know, how do I become the next big heavyweight star? I'll just use that weight class. How do I become a heavyweight star? Become a heavyweight and be willing to do what everybody else at one point in their career was willing to do, which is to go out and compete with other people with like-minded goals and dreams. You will be the only one in that class. The organization, the sport, the industry, the media, the pundits, the fans will have no choice but to get behind you. You're the only one they can freaking count on. To close out today's show, I'm sure you've seen that Jake Paul wants to fight George Masvidal. Now, I'm not sure that Dana White would ever allow it, but with that said, who should Jake Paul box next? So who does Paul fight? And by the way, when we say who does Paul fight, we're all talking about Jake, right? Am I wrong about that? Like, are we still looking at Logan's fights as well? Because for some reason, it feels like there's only one Paul boxing, and that's Jake. And I don't know that that's totally fair. I don't even know really where that comes from, being that Logan just fought Floyd. But for some reason, there's something about that career that doesn't feel the same as Jake. It doesn't feel like it's on the same trajectory. doesn't feel like it's got the same goals. doesn't feel like it's as authentic. doesn't feel as though it's looking in the direction of appropriate opponents, I think that can change very quickly. I think we come back to the conversation of the Paul brothers as long as Logan goes and gets a real match lined up. I think that we redo that. But when we're talking about Paul, aren't we just talking about Jake? Isn't that the one that we're talking about? Because who is he going to fight? We know it's not going to be Tyron. Right, you will remember that. He gets done with Tyron Woodley, and then they're going to do the rematch, and it's all predicated on this tattoo business, and then we find out the tattoo business, and it happened, and then you get some liar to come in and say, I got $25 million for you to fight Vitor. And that lie wasn't a big enough, so another guy came right on the top of that and added five more million lies to it. Do you remember when that happened? Like, that was a little bit weird. Whatever the hierarchy of the trailer company is, we now at least know 
who's in front of who between those two unknown guys that both grabbed a microphone and proceeded to tell the same lie, except only five million lies differ, right? We at least know within the office who sits at the big table between those two. Why the second one thought he needed to give a crown bust to his co-worker live and in front of the world, let those guys figure it out. But at any rate, all of a sudden you've got this VTOR talk. And then you've got this Anderson dialogue going on too. And it seemed as though maybe Anderson got a little bit more rub. Like Anderson just got a win over a guy who pretended to be knocked out. That's true. But Vitor got a win over a guy who never should have been licensed. Now, these are only in hindsight. And I don't give either Anderson or Vitor a hard time. They did their job. I don't give them a hard time. I'm just sharing with you when the whole thing's said and done, and those are the directions that you start looking, it starts to add to what Anderson said, which is it's not going to be me against Vitor. It's going to be me and Vitor against the Pauls. I think that that's your storyline right there. Nobody picked up on it but me. I think that's where Vitor and Anderson should both team up. You figured out who's going to go after Jake, who's going to come after Logan. You guys figure that out. But it's us against them in the same night. I think that's interesting. Dana added in on that even by accident saying Anderson looks so good. I don't know who Paul will be fighting, but I promise you it won't be Anderson Silva. I mean, all of a sudden, things just got really interesting, right? And when we are talking about Paul, we are talking about Jake. That is the one who is showing us a hunger in pursuing a more purist standpoint of being an actual boxer. Logan can fix that. Logan's losing steam here quickly. He can fix that just by signing a contract. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to go in with the right guy. Okay. Okay. Does anybody have a better idea? than Anderson and Vitor versus those guys. And now Jake Paul's coming out talking about, I want to fight Masvidal. And that's always an interesting one because there's nothing that can't be accomplished, right? If Jake is in fact with Showtime, just to remind you, Showtime is who co-promoted with Dana when he did Mayweather versus Connor. So as unlikely as it is, it is still within the realm of possibility. Now, is that a direction you would want to go with Masvidal? I don't see why. That would be a huge fight. But whatever Masvidal does next, and if you have an exclusive contract and you don't have to co-promote anything, I don't think that you're going to let a guy go. It's also going to be tough, I think, for Paul to completely push back on what Dana has now laid out as a gauntlet, saying, why don't one of you fight Anderson? It's interesting. Either one of the Paul brothers versus Anderson is interesting. And I don't think that the Pauls would back down. I don't know that any of us thought that a year into this experiment that is entertainment boxing, that this would still have legs. I don't know that it's sustainable. But I predicted for you when this was coming out, it's going to have about a year to a year and a half. Here we are a year into it. I still think you've got a year to a year and a half. So this is something that we're going to have. This is something that we're going to have to put up with. I think that Logan needs to be very calculated with his next match. Very calculated. Any steam that's Logan's lost, any the Paul brothers, and they're all looking over here at Jake, and this is where the community and the actual sport is looking to, they're looking specifically at Jake. I think Logan can fix all of that. Just put the right name on a contract. Going in there and fighting Floyd should have gotten Logan more credit than it did. 
I think it was starting to get him credit, and then you face these guys off, and it, it was a Volvo versus a, versus a Mack truck, and it just had the bad optics. Logan can fix that quickly, in my opinion. Just get the right opponent. Jake seems to be pretty, pretty open to fighting a lot of different people, and people are now trying to go after Jake. They asked Jake about the Triller offer, and Jake said that's ridiculous money. I used to work for those guys. They don't have that kind of money. I don't think that's Jake saying no. I interpret that differently. I mean, Jake's pretty damn interested. If you got 25 million bucks, you can likely get his services. He's just questioning that bank account to start with. Okay, one step at a time, as with anything. There's no show in the history of the world. Do you have the show and then you find the money, or do you find the money and then you find the show? I mean, this is the day-old question of production and entertainment. Let's see where all of that goes. I still am big on the idea. It's going to take some egos stepping down. It's going to take people teaming up just a little bit. I don't think that the Vitor and Anderson versus the Paul brothers is the worst marketing idea I've heard today. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Follow me on TikTok. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and make sure you're back here next Wednesday to hear me break down next weekend's UFC 266. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome.